Hey, warriors, welcome to the Untamed Life podcast, where we are breaking free from those chains of the past and rising to lead extraordinary lives. I believe it's time for us to ditch the rules of this world that are keeping us enslaved in the grind, playing from behind, and instead opt into a conscious and strategic upgrade, one that is founded in spiritual principles that can only be accessed through the power of the heart. So if you are craving deeper, more meaningful relationships, vibrant bodies full of life force, true prosperity in all arenas, and a life of adventure, this podcast is for you. My name is Christine Jewell. I'm a high-performance coach and spiritual mentor, and together we will awaken the king or queen you are destined to be so that you can experience the fullness of life that's waiting for you. Let's dive in. All right, welcome back to another episode. And today I'm really excited about today's conversation. As always, it's been inspired by many of my coaching conversations, questions that are coming up as people are struggling to rebuild thriving relationships, to dig deeper and figure out, you know, where they're being called right now, what blocks are getting in the way. And, you know, the topic that's really been coming up is this topic of acceptance or not feeling acceptance or where do we find acceptance? So I think it's just really fitting since we're doing this series on power couple secrets and thriving relationships. The one consistent thing I have heard and have felt in my own life is like, don't we all just desire to be accepted, loved and accepted for who we are, all of us, the great parts of us and the ugly parts of us, right? The parts of us that kick ass and take names and the parts of us that are messy and flailing around and trying to figure it out. And the pain, the pain that comes with rejection, you know, or the rejection of ourself, our identity of who we are, and uh, the emotions that come with it, you know, they leave some mark, they leave some wounds. So today we're going to be talking about finding acceptance in the midst of struggle in, in our relationships in each other. I really want to give some practical examples, especially when it comes to relating to exes, ex-husbands, ex-wives, people that are parenting differently than us, our own adult parents, right? Our own adult children, perhaps, where we are struggling to see things eye to eye, right? And we kind of expect everyone to see the world through our lens and we're having a difficult time accepting what's happening, accepting other people. So we're going to be diving into acceptance. We're going to be talking about the comparison trap and comparisonitis. Has anybody suffered from that listening? I know that this has been a huge body of work for me. It's really moving beyond the comparison game. And we are going to lean into a conscious upgrade of, yes, moving into a place of acceptance, but how do we do that? And I have some very practical ways um, and operating systems that I want to introduce in today's call, along with some cool philosophy uh, from Marcus Aurelius and our favorite, my ultimate you know, mentor and guide, Jesus Christ. Of course, I want to tune into what do these guys have to say? What did our, our King of Kings have to say about this? What do some of the greatest philosophers have to say about this? And what does your heart and your soul have to say about this right right now. So let's dive into the conversation. You guys, I'm just going to let you know that today I'm flying off the cuff. I decided to plant my feet on the hardwood floor. I just finished an amazing workout. 
open my heart up, connect to the heart of God, and just allow the spirit to flow through here and speak to you guys today. I just feel like this is a conversation that needs to be had. So I have very little notes. I have a couple things jotted down. So bear with me as we go freestyle into this conversation. As always, if you are enjoying the show, please take a minute to leave a a five-star review, share it with a friend. It really does go a long way. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Let's dive in. So here's what's going on. Um, I have been, I'm just going to get practical right away. I've been working with so many people who, you know, I work with a lot of divorced men and women couples, right? And you know, what comes with that, like co-parenting and dealing with how your ex is trying to, or raising the kids, not trying to, they are raising the kids their way, what they think is best. And by the way, we're going through this in our own life, right? Mark and I are both divorced. We both have an ex-husband and ex-wife over there that are, they've got their way and we've got our way and we're not married anymore for a reason. So clearly we don't always think the same way. And yet we're being called to move forward um, together, right? And we can create a lot of friction in our lives or we can begin to really lead from a place of flow and really shift the dynamic of our relationship. So yeah, I've been hearing a lot of just uh, frustration with what's happening on the other side. I've been hearing a lot of frustration of overbearing (laughs) parents who kind of forget you are a full grown adult and they have still a lot of opinions and judgments, or maybe you are the one that keeps meddling in your adult, adult, you know, older teenage children's lives. And you are having trouble as they're going through this navigation period of really birthing their own identity separate from you, their own operating system separate from the way you would do it. And this is so, so relevant in our most intimate relationships because in the beginning, those things that draws towards each other like magnets, right? The fire of chemistry, that that those flames, those matches that just light the match. And it's like, oh, I love this about him. I love this about her. It's just like something that I don't feel like I possess. It's something that I'm, you know, wanting more of in my life. Maybe it's more passion. Maybe it's more flow. I see this a lot in the men that are a little bit more analytical all up in their head and they meet a woman and they're like, she's amazing, Christine. She's all like flow and relaxed and leads from her heart. She's a free spirit. And then after a while, that free spirit in nature starts to grind on them because they're like, whoa, she's just so like free all the time. Where's the structure, you know, and they're trying to fit her flow into a box and vice versa, right? We see it the other way around. The things that attracted us to each other, you know, that guy's adventurous wild side, that wild spirit, all of a sudden, if you're trying to tame him and make him tone it down, and why do you have to be so this? And why do you have to be so that? Why do you have to do it that way? We begin to create a lot of, I call it muddy energy, dirty energy in our relationship. We create a lot of friction where there, where there was none, where before it was like a wide gushing river of flow. You're like, I love this, bring it on. Pretty soon it starts to bother you, right? And it starts to rub against you and become something you maybe want to fix solve upgrade. I think this is a great episode coming off the heels of the last one where we talked last two, where we talked about becoming the savior of somebody, but I really just want you to tune into like, where are you right now struggling, truly accepting, accepting your partner, accepting their quirks, accepting their awkward 
ways or ways that they do things that you, you know, it could be anything. It could be the way he drives. It could be the way she runs her business or manages her money or, you know, how much time she spends on herself or doing things that she loves. And so, you know, just tune into what is it that is irritating me? That's, that is grinding on me that I'm having trouble accepting about my wife, my husband, my partner, my kids, my kids, especially as they start having their own opinions, their own identity, they start pushing back and going through their own beautiful and essential rite of passage, which means they get to separate from mom and dad and begin to push back on your programming as they develop. Yes, they have theirs, but they get to flesh out what they want to keep, what they want to toss out, what they're going to adopt, right? What they're going to push against. And so we begin to go through these passages So just tune into that for a second. And I want to ask you, when you are in that space of really struggling to accept someone else, and you know, I'll just throw this out there, is first of all, we know (laughs) if we're having trouble accepting someone else, we get to really ask ourselves, what am I not accepting also within myself? Where am I being super critical, super hard, super full of expectation attached to my level of performance, my level of execution, my level of, you know, fill in the blank. That would be the first thing is like, what are we comparing ourselves to? What are we comparing them to. I'm going to say that again. What are we actually comparing ourselves and them to? What is the standard that we're holding everybody to? Is it an unrealistic perfectionist standard? Is it a standard of like, you have to be a clone of me. Your parenting has to be an exact copy of me. And I need you to agree with everything that I believe, everything I think, and everything I do in order for me to feel at ease. I I believe I was at a Tony Robbins event and he said, you know, our level of happiness is simply like how... I'm going to get this wrong. I know I'm going to get this wrong, but he said something along the lines of like, you know, we're happy as long as everything's going our way, right? As long as everybody's behaving the way we want and everything's going our way. Yeah. Like we're happy, but the minute things, you know, our idea of what life should look like, here we go. It's coming to me. As long as, you know, our idea of what should happen and what life should look like and how other people should behave matches on the outside to our internal view of that you know, we're talking about typically most people are like, yeah, my life is good. I'm at ease. The more though, the outer reflection does not match up to our idealistic view of how we think it should look, what we believe it should look like, feel like, sound like the more friction, the more tension, the more, you know, just unhappy, dissatisfied, disgruntled does we become. And so the, I want to talk about the comparisonitis and the comparison trap. So there's a couple of things here to consider. Number one is if you're finding trouble accepting even yourself, right? Like this is a huge one for me, especially when I was getting started in business. And then as I was growing my business throughout the years, and then I was trying to do this thing that they call balance, juggling all these different balls of, you know, three kids as a single mom and running a business with a team and like wanting to grow my own, you know, personal development journey, my entrepreneurial journey, but then my spirit and my body and then racing competitively. And, you know, I was like, yeah, I can have it all, but I was comparing myself most of the time to pictures, visuals, programs of the world. 
and you guys, I talk about this all the time, but you know, like the athlete that is just always in like the perfect shape, winning every race, like strong all the time, eating all the perfect nutrients. Like they're just always on. Right. And so if I wasn't winning, I was losing. If I wasn't kicking ass, I was like, Oh my God, my life is over. If I wasn't doing two hours of workouts a day, it was a total waste of time because it was always somebody stronger, always somebody pushing harder, always somebody putting in more work, more whatever. And I remember the ridiculousness of, I think I had a playlist, like all those old school motivational playlists that people listen to that are just absolutely put you in the very low, heavy consciousness of just grinding and pushing. I remember listening to him by Arnold Schwarzenegger, where he was like, somebody else is waking up working while you're sleeping, you know? And Again, I probably totally butchered that, but it was the idea of like getting as little sleep as possible because somebody out there is getting up, you know, in the middle of the night, beginning to work out, beginning their day, putting in those, you know, 16, 20 hour days and you're over here sleeping. Well, fast forward, like what the heck is that? That is like the most backwards operating system when it comes to cultivating life force and energy in your body. Now that I have understood and studied flow state life force, multiplying energy for the last 15 years, I realize how ridiculous, ridiculous that statement is because if I am the, my recovery is a direct sign of how fit I am, right? If like I can push, but how fast do I recover, right? When you push hard at work, when you push hard, you go through a hard emotional event, how quickly do we bounce back? That's a sign of fitness, emotional fitness, physical fitness. But here I was comparing myself to people who had no recovery ever in their life, right? And everybody else below the surface, beyond the pictures that they were posting, beyond the articles that they were writing, all of that. Later came to find out that almost every single person that I was comparing myself to at the time ended up completely burning their body out, destroying, tearing, you know, you know, like burning out their nervous system in the stories now on the flip side are totally different, right? So we get to be really careful of what am I comparing myself to? Where did all of these crazy expectations come from? Whose are they? Are they my father's? Are they societies? Are they an industry that's outdated and massively in need of an upgrade in terms of how they define success and performance? But what are the standards and the blueprints that we're comparing ourselves to, right? Like, am I comparing my parenting to a model of parenting, God bless my mother. But you know, my mom was born in a very small village in Italy and like everything was about staying home and taking care of the kids 24 seven. And they were such, she has such a beautiful, beautiful nurturing energy. That so many years of my life, I was steeped in guilt because I was always, you know, listening to her, give me her, you know, heartfelt advice on how I should be parenting and, you know, God bless her. She still does it sometime. And I know it's coming from a good place, but I was constantly fighting her because a, I didn't like that style of parenting. It didn't resonate with me. And I just was constantly like feeling guilty because I was either comparing myself to what I thought it should be. And then comparing myself to this other view that the world was putting. And it was like this tension all of the time. And I was like, I finally got to a place where I'm like, okay, whoa, I got to really tune into what standards am I doing all of this comparing and judging by, right? So the comparison trap is 
again, where are we looking outside of ourselves and setting that as the bar or within ourselves? You know, that that idea that everything has to be perfect in order for us to be accepted or to belong, or, you know, we can't screw up because what will people think? Like, what are we, like, where, what are we comparing that to exactly? The other thing with this comparison that I see a lot is we'll be looking at our partner. We'll be looking at our kids, you know, and we'll literally be sitting there when we're comparing, we're like, "Mm, I wouldn't do it that way. You know, we're comparing their way to our way. You know, my daughter just came back from the gym. She's got, and I'm like, I owned a holistic health and wellness facility. I was a personal trainer. I was a nutritionist for years. You know, I can write programs for her. I can do all these things. She doesn't ask me for my advice. She doesn't want my advice. She's got her own plan. She's got her own way. She's got her own thing going on. I'm so proud of her. I just love to see her flourishing. But you know, she goes and she comes back and I'm just celebrating her her way. And there was a time where I really wanted to get my fingers in there and have an opinion about everything because I was comparing what I knew to what she knew and what I had gone through to what she had gone through. And I was in this comparison rather than celebrating the stage that we were both at, right? So I want to, you know, bring this in because a lot of times we start from, you know, what seems like a good intention with our husband, our wife, our partner, but we begin comparing. We begin comparing him to me, her to me, his parenting their parenting to our parenting, right? And again, I'm seeing this a lot with, you know, our own journey right now, my physical journey with, you know, X is parenting completely differently. You know, my clients' journeys that are going through all kinds of things. And it can really create a lot of suffering for us if we start playing this game and start operating from this place. Because what are we doing really when we are comparing? Number one, we're judging, right? We're always judging. Well, I must be right. They must be wrong, right? We're judging the behavior. We're judging the person. We're judging the character. And we're really playing God. And we're we're making all kinds of assumptions, right? I know what's best. I'm like, you know, someone said that to me the other day. If you guys are listening, you know, we had this conversation, but it was like, what's best for the kids? I'm like, according to who? <laughs> right? Who says? That's an opinion. We have opinions, right? But we have such a hard time as a society. We can see from what's been going on the last two years. Somebody posts an opinion on social media and everybody's up in arms about it and has to fight and debate and jump in there and have an opinion and fight back. And the energy is so dense. It's so destructive and it is not adding to life at all in any way. It's not expanding anybody's consciousness. It's not expanding the conversation. It's not adding more life to the situation. What it's doing is just sucking everybody's life force. (laughs) So what are we doing? We're judging. We are creating a superiority or a hierarchy that says, I'm above you. You're above me. I'm, you know, you're lesser than. So just pay attention to that because, you know, I think like such a, huge piece of being in a powerful, beautiful, loving, accepting relationship is when people know like we are here. We all have this beautiful, incredible value to bring to the relationship. Yes. We each have our gifts. We each have our role. And you know, you might be bringing the money right now, right? You might be the primary breadwinner. You might be pouring all the wealth into the 
the financial wealth, excuse me, into the relationship. And someone else might be pouring a lot of the nurturing and connection wealth into the relationship, right? And so are we making one, are we giving more power and more value to one over the other? Just something to tune into because we do this, especially in the areas of finance. I see this a lot. You know, the person that's making more money or the person that's contributing more money or contributing more financial or physical assets or whatever, because again, that is the world program, isn't it? Stuff, consumerism, all of that stuff. It's like the world worships and we have made idols of, of our stuff. So we tend to put these things on pedestals. But what if we all are equal coming to this as humans, even our children, like they have equal value in the family. They don't have any less value than you, right? We have, they might be at a different stage. They may be in different seasons of life. They may have different skills. They may be struggling at different points. They also have, even a child has like a beautiful, beautiful gifts to bring to the family, right? So really tuning into what are we doing? We are falling into the superiority complex we are giving greater power to things and we are automatically subconsciously starting to tell people, well, you're, you don't have value. Your thoughts, your opinions, your beliefs have less worth, less weight than mine do, which moves me to the next point, which is it just causes division, right? Because all of a sudden, now what we're doing is we begin to fight. We begin to fight for validation. We begin to fight to prove our point. We begin to fight to explain ourselves. And so this is where we start to see those old familiar patterns of dividing or justifying and defending and attacking and over explaining and having like over utilizing data and numbers and facts and figures to try to prove a point at a logical level, which we know does not really shift or move the heart of a person, right? It's not does it usually influence someone to just keep throwing more data, more information at them? When we begin to fight logic with logic, I mean, a reason with reason, a lot of times you just get two headbutting <laughs> bulls in a china closet. And so I'm a big believer. This is how I work. This is how I live. This is what I do with clients in beginning to shift the energy, shift the atmosphere in the room shift the dynamics of conversation by not using logic at all, by, by really moving into a place of storytelling, acceptance, seeing beyond what's actually the spoken word and beginning to feel and work with the presence and atmosphere in the room rather than just going at somebody face-to-face, -face, right? So this comparing gets us judging, playing superiority games, division is a huge one. And I just want to, you know, I want to say, because I have three children and I am not proud at all of how I handled my divorce in the early years. There was a lot of, it was just not pretty. Okay. It was ugly. It was really ugly. I have forgiven myself. I've forgiven my ex. I've forgiven the situation. But I, I mean, when I think back and I'm like, oh God, Lord, if I knew then what I knew now, everything would be so different. Right. And I'm not saying that from a place of guilt or shame. It's truly I've restored and healed that. But I am saying it from a place of humility that says, you know, in those moments, I was so angry towards my acts and I was so judgmental and I was so divided and I was so just comparing everything that he was doing, defending myself or constantly attacking and the emotions that we were always, the dynamic that we were always playing in was one of pride, 
and shame, shame on you. How could you do this to our kids? How could you think this? How could you, how could you be thinking that? What is wrong with you? By the way, I'm talking about exes because a lot of my listeners are coming from divorced relationships. And we also do this right inside of our homes with the people we love the most, with our children. We do this in our family dynamics with our brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers. So pay attention. These emotions, these levels of consciousness, that's like pride is running the show and we're shaming each other. And so there's a fuel of anger. There's fuel of resentment. There's fuel of pride that says, I have to prove you wrong. I have to prove myself right. I have to prove my strength. I have to prove, prove, prove. And every time I can't prove it to you because you don't get what I'm saying or you don't respond the way I want you to, now I'm either super angry or ashamed again that I must be doing something wrong. So you know, it kind of pulled us down the toilet bowl there, the vortex, but really you, <laughs> that's what it's like when we start getting into these lower vibration, heavier, dense emotions. And we start playing these games. We don't even realize how quickly we go. We spiral down. And then we start playing these games with each other and the energy of those dynamics, you know, you have to keep fighting to keep the thing going. And this whole thing that I'm about this whole, the work that I do is about, we get to thrive. We get to build thriving relationships. So we get to step in heart-centered missions. We get to multiply without the constant battles of the past, right? We get to move into a place of powerful co-creation. So what is the conscious upgrade? And I keep using those words, conscious upgrade, because we are going to be very intentional, right? When we're conscious, we're aware. To be aware means we're fully present. That requires a lot of our attention, a lot of our focus, a lot of our intention to be fully in the here and now. So while we might not be physically doing a lot, there's not a physical, a lot of physical energy being put out. There is quite a bit of energy. There's a, a incredible amount of energy that is being, you know, funneled through us in that moment. And required for this level of presence to be able to be aware, not only self-aware of like me, 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 the self, but like what is actually happening, right? How am I showing up? What lens am I viewing them through? What is the actual raw information? What is the emotion that I'm giving to it? Like there's so much here. So I want to invite us to consider this conscious upgrade. How do we move from comparison, aka division, you know, not accepting each other, judging each other into a place of radical acceptance, right? Radical acceptance and ease. So I want to suggest one thing that um, it really I'm leaning into, I'm leaning into this with my clients is what if instead of comparing, we begin to shift and move into a place of celebrating the contrast, celebrating the contrast, beginning to see the beauty in the contrast. And so first of all, I want to say it's very hard sometimes to see the beauty until you pull back from all of the energy and the heat and the triggers and just see the raw information. But there was something that I heard on a podcast the other day. It was from Dr. Zach Bush, who I absolutely just 
This man is amazing. Follow his teachings. If you haven't already, if you're into health, if you're into restoring the health of your body, the health on this planet, Zach Bush is amazing. But he said something in a podcast the other day. And he said, you know, when we begin to see the beauty in other people, they automatically heal. We don't have to do anything. We don't have to say anything. We just allow them to be fully seen. And that is so true because I see this in the work that I do all of the time as I even hold space for my clients and they begin to hold space for themselves and they begin to hold space for each other in their relationship. The healing just happens. We don't have to go down this huge wormhole rabbit hole of figuring out, oh my gosh, did this happen in a past lifetime? Like how many lifetimes ago, where did this come from? And we, uh, you know, everyone always goes like, where, where did that come from? Why? And, you know, we can explore that and we do sometimes, but we don't have to go all the way down there in order to receive the healing. And that is the beautiful, beautiful thing, right? Is a lot of these wounds begin to close up and begin to heal themselves when we are able to just be fully seen for who we are accepted where we're at for who we are and where we're at and given the permission to, you know, I don't like the word fail. So I say practice and falter and get up and get back on track to miss the mark, given permission to miss the mark. And that's okay. So the first thing I want to say around this, moving into this place of acceptance is number one, you know, separating the information from all of the emotion. One of the powerful questions I ask my clients is they say, you know, we jump on the phone and they want to start talking, 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 and telling me every detail of what's going on. And I'm always like, okay, whoa, let's pull back for a minute. Let's pull back from all of this, you know, all of these triggers and all of this energy. And let's just see what's actually going on. What are the raw facts? What is the actual raw data? So I love how Marcus Aurelius, um, in, in his three disciplines, you know, from the book of meditations of Marcus Aurelius, he talks about the discipline of perception. Perception requires that we maintain absolute objectivity of thought, that we see things dispassionately for what they are, right? So this is the, when I ask, uh, and you guys can look into that more. This is from my, I think the new translation of meditations, but you know, this ability to, you know, change the glasses basically and say, okay, I've got my glasses that have all of these triggers and lenses of the past and all of the things that, you know, my predisposed ideas and beliefs, let me put on the glasses that just give me the raw data, the raw fact, right? And so a lot of times I'll say, what are the raw facts that honestly, like nobody can really disagree with it. It's like, okay, there is a tree there, right? This is a thing that happened. The children did not get picked up. Or, you know, my husband said this, you know, this is the text that I received, whatever the thing was, right. The behavior is observable. Everybody can watch the behavior and just really cleanly state, well, this is exactly the thing without saying like he did this. And this means that he doesn't care or she doesn't respond to me or she doesn't care about me because she doesn't give me any affection. It's like, well, what, what actually happened, right? She, she pulled away, she pulled back, she sat back, whatever the thing is. So the first step is really being able to separate what actually happened versus what is all of the meaning that I'm giving to it. And what emotions am I getting entangled with? The second step to that is really, you know, once we're able to do that, we can say, okay, so what, what is actually happening? What did I make it about? 
right? What am, what did I make that about, right? What else might be going on? So we get to begin to ask questions to get curious. And you know, I always talk about like curiosity is a state where we start to shift out of that destructive energy and we begin to open doors for more creative energy. So creative potential to explore solutions together. What else is possible to accept, understand each other more, right? Really, really we're just getting to the heart of the matter. So, you know, the, the thing here is, when we're able to separate ourselves and separate the energy from the information, we can begin to engage with it differently, right? And this is where I begin to invite us to get curious on the contrast. I love the mountains. If anybody follows me outside of this podcast, you know, I spend a lot of time in the mountains. I spend a lot of time skiing and hiking and all of the things. And I just love nature. I immerse myself in nature on a regular basis. And what I love about nature, if you think about like, what is the beauty? Beauty is the contrast, right? What provides beauty is contrast. It gives us depth. There's darkness, there's jagged edges, there's like flourishing life. Like if everything is the same, if everything is the same color and everything is the same shade and everything is the same height and everything moves the same way, there's no contrast, right? Just imagine you're on a beach and it's like every single wave moves in the same pattern, looks exactly the same. Every tree's leaning in the same direction. Every person is walking with the same, you know, in the same pace. Like there's something wrong with the picture. If everybody's moving to the same beat, we can be harmonious. And what's beautiful is the contrast is actually where we view and we visit and we can see the harmony in it all the divine orchestration, right? It's like all the moving parts that individually look like they're moving on their own, you know, sometimes actually an opposite rhythm to everything else. You know, when you're just zoning in on that one thing, it's like, oh my gosh, look at that thing moving in the opposite direction. But if you're able to pull back and you're able to see the big picture, you see that that is an essential piece of the whole right? That is an essential piece of the contrast that makes it so beautiful. So, you know, this is where we can begin to move into like, okay, so what is the contrast that's being provided right now? Even in two different homes, one of the things I tell my clients all the time that are divorced, I'm like, you know, what can you control? What is in your control? You can't control what this person does at the other house, what they, what they do with the kids, what they don't do. What we can control is providing an immersion an experience that is a con- that provides the children, our lovers, whatever, with contrast that whenever they're in our presence, whenever they're in our home, whenever they're in our energy, in our atmosphere, they have such an experience, then they move to another place and they feel completely different. It's just, there's contrast, right? Which allows us to have polarity, magnetism, and we're able to now select and opt into like, yes, more of that, please, less of that. We begin to notice what we like, what we appreciate, what we want more of, what we want less of, right? And we could begin to, like, it really is navigation for us. And so I think like a lot of times we get ourselves all worked up about having to have everything just perfect, just right, all moving in the same order, And then we don't actually provide anyone with any space, any depth, any richness to appreciate the differences, to celebrate the beauty and the contrast, and to have that magnetic pull. I hope that that 
resonates. I was, I was uh, driving my daughter to university the, yesterday and we have a pretty high vibe environment around here. You know, we have lots of natural light. We eat super clean. We're always moving. We have amazing conversations. And then she went to university. She, she goes to, uh, you know, a school that's very science-based and whatever. And she's, she was out there studying for the day and I went to go pick her up and the energy was so dense there. It was just like the minute you drove on campus, it was like, whew, everything felt like it just like lowered. And instead of going, oh my gosh, it's so crappy here. I'm like going into that whole thing. I noticed it right away. And she sat in the car. She's like, do you notice the energy shift here? <laughs> and I was like, yes, I do. Right. And she's like, it's super dense here. Right. And I said, yeah, it is. And she's like, I really have trouble focusing in this environment. And I said, yeah, I get it, right? And so the only reason we're able to have that conversation is because she has had so much contrast. So instead of making one right or wrong, I say, what if we immerse ourselves, immerse our people in more of the experience and allow them to discover their own way? I hope that that makes sense, um, saying this in the best way that I can. So and there's something beautiful that happens when we begin to just celebrate the beauty and the contrast and appreciate, you know, he does it his way. I do it my way. There's things that drive me crazy about my husband sometimes. And I love him because there were things that drew me to him. Mark has this incredible level of patience with things that I would love to say that I have, but I don't. He has a lot of patience. And sometimes it's, I'm like, yo, you are being too patient over there. Like, let's go, you know? And I try to push things along or I, I, I notice that I might be getting triggered because maybe he's being extra patient with the kids or something. And I get to pause in those moments and be like, okay, this is awesome because I cannot tell you, he has been one of my greatest teachers when it comes to just mirroring back to me, like, what are my triggers about? Where am I becoming impatient in the process and trying to rush things when it's not the right time? And, and, you know, we hold this mirror up for each other, but it is the contrast that gives us that opportunity. So I hope this is landing for you. And, um, I want to, I want to move to a couple other things here when we, when we're talking about moving into this place of celebrating the contrast, being conscious that we're not again, contrasting and going, oh, this versus that, but really saying like, how do I celebrate it all? How do I begin to notice that this is all here for the contrast is there so I can see more of the mountain, right? Like if you're painting a mountain, the dark allows us to see more of the depth. So I love this second discipline um, of Marcus Aurelius that says, live as nature requires. And it says, you know, the simplest way to understand is to know that we are made for others, not ourselves. You know, so we're looking at, you know, when, when I look a lot at nature, I look at how nature moves. I look at how nature works. I observe nature, you know, nature is so unselfish. It's like always giving it's there for everything is there for something else. And we're working towards something so much larger than ourselves, right? We're working towards something much greater. So what if we're here harmoniously mirroring things back to each other, working for each other, showing up for each other, right? And it looks like struggle sometimes, and it looks like disconnection, and it looks frustrating. What is this here to teach me? What is this here to show me, right? What is this here if it's here for me? And we hear that a lot. Like, what if this was here for you instead of against you? And it sounds very cliche, but it's really true. When we begin to adopt this, we begin to realize, okay, 
those people that are hard to love, the ones that need it the most are also here for me to rise into more compassion, into more understanding, into more like upgrading my skill sets of, you know, communication or whatever. Maybe it's to, you know, for you to understand how to put healthy boundaries in place. But really we get to go, okay, what is in my control, right? What is not in my control? I love that. I think it was Viktor Frankl. Let me see where, where that was. It was like, um, there was a beautiful quote from Man's Search for Meaning. I don't know if I have it up here, but it was basically like everything can be taken from man. But one thing, the loss of the human's freedoms is to choose one's attitude at any given set of circumstances, right? And I believe it was Viktor Frankl. I could be wrong. That was such a great book. But to be able to choose our attitude in any given circumstance, like that was so you know, it's so true when we're in that moment and we're just like, oh, why is she doing this? Why is he doing this to me? And it was Viktor Frankl. Everything can be taken from a man. Everything can be taken from a woman. But one last thing, the last of my human freedoms is to choose my attitude towards any given set of circumstances. No longer able to change a situation, but I am challenged to change myself. Marcus Marcus Aurelius says, everywhere at each moment, you have the option to accept this event with humility, to treat this person as he or she should be treated, and to approach this thought with care so that nothing irrational creeps in, right? And it's, I'm going to post that quote on the show notes because I think it's so beautiful. Everywhere at each moment, we have the option to accept events with humility, to treat others as they should be treated, to approach this thought with care, each thought with care so that nothing irrational creeps in. I want to just finish by saying these last things from Jesus because, you know, ultimately I always say I'm a Christ follower and Christ has just really come. He's pursued my heart. He has shown me what it means to be loved. He has given me the blueprints for a supernatural life. There's many great teachers in the world. He's so much more than a teacher. He's a savior. He's a lover. He's a king. He's a creator. He is the doorway to direct access to God. And I love in Matthew, the book of Matthew is my favorite, by the way. If you haven't read the Bible or the word of God, I really like Matthew is full of awesomeness. I love when, you know, Jesus is asked, teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law? Maybe you guys have heard this as the golden rule, right? But we know the greatest commandment is to love the Lord, love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, right? Not just in your head, not just like the legalistic, ritualistic, religious kind of love, fake love that's out there, but to really, I call it, have an intimate love affair relationship with God, my creator our creator with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our minds. Isn't this a picture of the most intimate love we all want to experience with each other? That is the first and greatest commandment. The second commandment Jesus calls us to is loving our neighbors as ourselves, loving our neighbors as ourselves, loving each other as we love ourselves. I think that the problem we have in today's society is people have forgotten how to truly love themselves, 
their inner man, their inner woman, their inner child. They have created such a false sense of self and they know it. They forget who to love. They forget who they are. And it becomes really difficult to love another when you don't even know who you are, when you don't even know what you really stand for. Maybe you think you know what you stand for, but your outward life is not a reflection of it. I believe this is a place where we begin to have a lot of, well, lack of acceptance because we don't accept ourselves. We don't accept ourselves. How can we begin to accept others? When we're not even willing to accept those dark parts within ourselves, the messy parts, the parts that we're maybe ashamed of sometimes, or the parts that we want to forget, the parts that we locked away. A huge part of my message is remembering that, you know, our past is not our future. Our past is not our future. Our past is a great teacher. It's a great GPS to guide us in the right direction, but we are never called to be prisoners of our past, right? It was just a lesson, not a life sentence. And if you are living a life sentence of your past, then you can guarantee that most of the people around you are going to feel like they're in a cell with you. So, yeah. Hmm. It's time to break free, my loves. As we break free, we break others free around us, right? I I wrote a mission statement years ago that said, you know, I'm here to help others break free from the chains of the past. And in doing so, right, we continue to have this ripple effect of freedom in every single thing we touch. Because when we're free, we give others the gift of freedom, right? And this isn't just like physical freedom. This is emotional freedom. This is mental freedom. And freedom you know, one of the fastest tracks to freedom is radical acceptance, radical acceptance, radical grace. (laughs) Grace says you don't deserve, you didn't deserve it. You didn't do anything to earn it. You didn't prove anything, but I give it to you because grace is a gift that is bestowed. It is a gift that's given to us, you know, by our God. We don't have to earn it. You can't earn God's love. You can't do enough. You could possibly not do enough, but you just are more than enough. You already are worthy and loved and accepted as you are. So as grace is given to you, it is then our gift to pass along. It's not a gift for us to keep, right? So um, one of the the exercises that I encourage people to, to lean into is, you know, if you were being a little more gracious and accepting of yourself, where would you begin? And let's extend that gift to someone else. So I want to celebrate you today. I want to celebrate wherever you are, whoever you are in this season of life, all of your quirks, all of your darkness, all of your light, all of you is beautiful, worthy, loved. And when you begin to bring all of you to the table, you begin to shift the dynamic of your relationships from the inside out. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. You guys, I appreciate you for being here. I appreciate you for listening and please take a minute, leave that review, share this with a friend. And I just want to let you know that we are about to start. We are starting the, the initiation. If you guys want to learn more about that coaching and mentorship journey, it's a beautiful space to heal the wounds of the past, 
to upgrade your relationships, your operating systems, and really embody a new identity. You guys can follow the link in the show notes. Enrollment is open. We work in intimate containers and I do so very intentionally on purpose for purpose because um, it is truly sacred work. It's a sacred space and it's a sacred journey. So thank you again for being here until next time. Here's to loving fiercely and leading courageously as warriors of the heart and the untamed light. We'll see you next time. Thanks again for joining me in today's episode. It is my intention to bring you valuable heart shifting content every time that will upgrade your life. If you're a new listener, make sure you follow the podcast so you can stay up to date as future episodes roll out. And I invite you to head on over and join my free community, Warriors of the Heart on Facebook. In there, you'll find bonus trainings, a game-changing assessment tool, and exclusive member-only offers. Until next time, Warriors, here's to loving fiercely and leading courageously in the untamed life, the only life worth living.